This is Join the Dots. Hello, this is day four of COP26, 4th of November 2021. I'll be going into the conference in the afternoon and be asking two questions to the people I meet. Why they're there and is it worth traveling to the conference when we learn to work remotely during the pandemic? The first question comes from Sabina, the second from my brother Thailand, who contacted us on WhatsApp and asked, raised three other issues on education, um, eating avocados and migration. And I promised to raise them, cover them in later episodes. It was nice to hear from you, Ty. Uh, my name is Tanay Sotkuyar. I'm here uh, to interact with people and learn what I don't know and try to transfer what I have accumulated so far for energy transition in my life. Is it worth the travel? Of course, of course. I'm, I mean, you cannot bring everybody to your uh, home and you cannot ask people to communicate through the internet. So this is one way. They don't replace each other, of course. I mean, both methodologies can be. I'm very comfortable in teaching in my university. I don't, I don't need to go to China to speak 15 minutes. And people are very happy when they speak <laughs> online uh, without coming to Turkey to my conferences. So we're in the middle of the blue zone. The applause wasn't for Professor Uyar. Uh, but you work on energy transition, you said, yes. like renew from fossil fuels to renewables. Is that the kind of thing you do? Uh, yes. Uh, what I am doing, try to understand the dynamics of the existing energy system, and uh, which is a problem. And from this problem state to solution, which is almost uh, everybody's uh, agreed on this, uh, by 2050, we need to make this transition. Of course, we don't think it's sufficient that it will be realized. I will speak about this tomorrow over here a little bit as Eurosolar, what we think. Uh, but it's, it's nice to talk with people, at least to cry together. <laughs> Without crying together, you don't talk together to find a solution. That's the way it is. So I'm, I'm happy over here. So. Uh, I, I see some old friends also, that makes me more happy. That's me, yes. <laughs> nice to see you, Tanay. Um, from Turkey. Cool. My name is Kida. I'm from Mitsubishi Heavy Industries. And uh, I'm in Japan Pavilion to promote Japanese technology, especially for our gas turbine technology with hydrogen. Because you know of uh, this you know, opportunity, I think you know everyone get together for their thinking of decarbonization. I think it's a great opportunity for us to be here. How does your gas huh? turbine work? Ah, our gas turbine is usually using you know hydrogen. I mean uh, natural gas. Uh, can you record again? <laughs> I can hear you. Okay, yeah. Our gas turbine, you know, uh, is you know uh, usually use uh, natural gas, but now. We are in development for, uh, you know, hydrogen-capable gas turbine is, you know, uh, in, and then we will, we will achieve, uh, you know, 100%, you know, uh, natu- hydrogen generation by 2025. 
And is it to reduce the emissions of greenhouse gases? Yes, we are. Yeah. If, you know, uh, you know, we only use hydrogen, then, you know, there will be no CO2 emission at all. And it is for um, electricity generation? Yes. Yeah. Power, power plant. Thank you very much. Can I take a photo of sure, your sure. machine working? Sure, sure. Or video? Sure. Thank you. Hi, so my name is Kasia Joubert and I am the CEO of the Pocket Project. Um, before that, I worked as the CEO of the Global Ecovillage Network, which is a, a network of 6,000 regenerative communities spread all over the globe. Um, and I was extremely dedicated to that, but I also found that in that network, as in all NGOs and also all corporations and all government initiatives, that there is, it feels as if there's sand in the system. So we all have the very best intentions, but actually the action we take is not effective. And they keep being like conflicts in teams, post-colonial stress and trauma that really um, feeds into how we can implement anything. So we see it again and again, pledges are being taken. Implementation is not happening in the same level. And I wanted to look at the issue that is at the root of that. And for me, that is unintegrated trauma. So it's the unintegrated pain of the past that we can't look at directly. And I'm speaking about the pain of colonialism, the pain of racism, the pain of sexism, um, the pain of genocide. I'm saying these words, but there you can even when I say it, there's like lakes of pain behind this. And in our nervous systems, we carry the memories of that. And it leads to separation between us and the planet, between us and each other. So this is, we're finding out methodology and this is also with neuroscience. So it's a mixture of science and experiential practice to really build spaces where we can become more aware of this and find methodologies that allow for individual, ancestral, and collective trauma integration. And from that place, also trauma-informed leadership, which I believe is missing in the climate conversation and would lead to more effective climate action. And one aspect of that would be um, experiences like today, that we bring in imagery of what has actually happened and really notice what is the actual response of our nervous system and bring that into the discussion. Thank you very much. What really happened is that we sat around the circle and you invited us to feel our bodies, how we feel about today and talk about our not just what's in our heads, the evidence, the numbers, the facts, but how we feel about the work we do and I found that very moving um, bringing heart and brain together um, I'd like to thank you for the opportunity thank and, you. and I shall share the details to Pocket Project great, thank you so hello, my name is Mark Lawrence I work as a scientific director at the Institute for Advanced Sustainability Studies in Potsdam, Germany and my role here is that one of the groups in my team 
set up this co-creative reflection and dialogue space, which we're now doing for the second time at a COP. Uh, we did this in Madrid in a small room, a uh, closed room. And based on the information we got from that, uh, then we've developed this space as a further opportunity. What we're trying to do is encourage a different type of communication culture at the COP, a less frontal communication that is very supportive of deep and respectful exchange with each other, where it's not a measure of the quality or the value of a side event by asking how many people are in the room, but by asking how many people are in the room who are not looking at their cell phones or their iPads or their iPods or their, their computers or whatever else, but are really engaged. And uh, so while we may only have space for about 10 people on average, we've had one session here with 30 people in it, um, we nevertheless, I think, have more people that are really engaged than in these larger sessions. And we don't expect to change the entire climate change communications culture through this. We know it's a small intervention, but we see it like drilling a hole through a large dam, like the Hoover Dam. And people going by on top look down and see water streaming out of that hole. And some of them start to get the idea, gee, if there's water streaming out of that hole, what's on the other side? And they look over there and they see this huge potential that's being held back by these stiff structures. And we're hoping that more people will come along and start drilling holes through that big Hoover Dam of stiff structures that's holding back that potential until we maybe actually break it down some and start to really release that great potential that we need. Make it easier for us to talk to each other. <laughs> Thank you very much. So in this space, in Madrid, of course, like everyone, we only set it up as an in-person space. And uh, we sometimes stuffed 25 people into a small 20 square meter room and uh, had, had really good, intense dialogues. This time we can't do that. We have an open space. But in addition to the open space, we're experimenting with hybrid formats. And some of us have come to the COP from the team and several of our team have stayed behind and are on the other end and able to, knowing what it's like being in person, evaluate and help us to assess and how we can improve the hybrid format. The session that we just held was one where amazingly 50 people were online for the session, or nearly 50 people, I think it was 48 or something like that, were online for the session. Uh, and we had about 10 people here in person. So quite a waiting in the other direction. And the feedback seems to have been that they got a great deal out of this particular session, not being here in person, but that the session is enriched by the presence of people who are also experiencing this kind of dialogue format in person. So this is where we really need research. How can we go about finding ways to capitalize on digitalization much, much better so that we don't have people left out, but we have more included. And this is something I think that our society has really missed out on this opportunity during the pandemic when we had this push and encouragement for it. And I still hope that we can catch on to that in the future. Uh, this is Derin Altan. I'm the co-founder of Esmior, which is a platform operating in Turkey, in Turkish, uh, for climate communications. I'm here to uh, follow up COP26 and 
actually inform our followers and the folks in Turkey about what's going on here on ground, uh, what's inside here and how uh, everything is progressing. Thank you, Darren. And one day we're going to do a joint program we together. Will. We will. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for listening. And we'd love to hear from you on Instagram, Twitter and Facebook. <laughs>